Hey everyone, welcome into another edition of the Woj Pod here in Los Angeles with the great Jonathan Gavoni, ESPN's NBA draft analyst here on the eve of the NCAA tournament and a whole lot of NBA draft prospects trying to position themselves all over your draft board, team draft boards, and we're about to tip that off. Jonathan, this is this is your favorite time of the year, isn't it? This is the best. I'm just going to be parked at home for four straight days watching basketball from noon until 1 a.m. every single day. I'm not sure how many times I'm, how much sleep I'm going to get. You know how many showers are going to be involved. But <laughs> it's honestly like it is the greatest weekend in 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 any sport, in my opinion, just because of there's so much uncertainty. There, uh, it's so unpredictable. Um, you know, it's 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 a wild ride, and it's uh, it's just so much fun every single year. The, the the NCAA tournament, you really can't beat it. Yeah, absolutely. And you've spent your year, you spend your whole calendar year traveling, seeing these players in the regular season, and seeing them at summer events, and uh, playing for international teams, and and in a lot of different settings, not just with their college teams. And now you see them in pressure situations in the tournament, and and I don't think there's a player who's for good and bad, has the has the eyes on him that Brandon Miller of Alabama does. They're six nine, do everything forward, uh, prototypical NBA player. That is that wing position is what teams dream of getting. You need that player if you want to win a championship. Celtics have one in Jason Tatum, Clippers with Paul George and and Kawhi Leonard and. And you look around the league, and it is such a premium position. And Miller has had it on the court, just a tremendous season. Production, winning, aggression, better as the year has gone on. And we talked throughout the early season in this fall. It was Victor Wimbayama's number one pick in the draft. He's the number one pick in any draft. But at number two, Scoot Henderson, who is the guard for the G League Ignite, physical player, player who I think highly skilled and a guy who I think most people before the season thought this was 1-2 and then Brandon Miller has changed that conversation. We'll get into the, the bigger question surrounding him, far different from his talent is the situation in Alabama, his role in a in essentially driving a weapon and what he says unknowingly to what would become the murder of a young woman in Alabama. He's not been charged with anything. He's not under investigation. He's continued to play at Alabama. But certainly teams will continue to dig into that, want more answers and want to be as clear as they can about Brandon Miller. But I think you and I, Jonathan, both of us in talking with team executives and there is more than just a growing sense of Brandon Miller, perhaps not just challenging for that number two spot in the draft, but maybe taking it over at this point, barring revelations that we or maybe the teams aren't aware of yet, barring that. Yeah, I think that's accurate. I think uh, it's really going to come down to which team gets that pick. Um, and like you said today, what their risk appetite is. Uh, but Brandon Miller, from a basketball standpoint, is a safe pick at number two. 
because he can play with in any lineup. He can play with any type of player. Um, you know, he's older than your average freshman. He's t- almost 20 and a half now, which is really like a sophomore age player. But he's improved considerably every step of the way. I mean, I've seen him from a very early age. Um, and he, well, he did not enter this year's draft projected as a top five pick or even as a top 10 pick. And he really struggled, and honestly, early in the year, the PK-85, it was a very high-profile event in Portland where he had some real struggles there. I thought UConn did a very good yeah. job of slowing him down. Um, North Carolina, he shot 4 of 21 from the field. Um, you know, so there were some real questions there about him athletically. You know, can he get his own shot? Um, you know, how good of a finisher is he around the basket? He was shooting you know, under 40% inside the arc. But going into SEC play, he's just improved dramatically every week. He's really become more of a playmaker for his team. He's a 6'9 guy who can, you can, he can really handle the ball. He's terrific pushing off the glass, playing pick and roll. He sees over the top of defenses from this, you know, great vantage point at 6'9. He can, you know, uh, pass to either corner. Um, he's got, he's a very unselfish player. And also, he and he has that that one skill that every team is looking for, which is he's a really dynamic shot maker. He's making three threes a game, forty percent for three, eighty six percent from the free throw line, and he makes tough ones, step backs, pulling up off the dribble, um, you know, pushing in transition and elevating. Uh, you know, these that's what the modern game is all about right now. And Jonathan, his trajectory, almost in contrast to Scoot who had a phenomenal showing against Victor Wimbayama in Vegas when G League Ignite played against uh, Victor's uh, French team. And his season's been far more uneven. I know he had a concussion. He's missed some games. He's missed some time. But the player people saw and you know maybe coronated him at that time that this just looks so clear-cut 1-2 in the draft, and you said Brandon Miller at that time, nobody had him in that conversation. And this happens every year. Someone makes that jump. I mean, it just, you, and you know it's going to happen. You just don't know who. But, but what has happened maybe in the last months that, I think both of you, Scoot's still a great, great NBA prospect. You know, we're splitting hairs when you're talking about choosing between two and three. But, but the kind of year he's had for Ignite has been described as what? Inconsistent, um, by some would say, underwhelming by others, just in terms of the progression you were hoping to see from age 18 to 19. He just looks bored out there often. I was just out there last week in Atlanta. Um, you know, he, it's, just, it's a homecoming game for him. He's from the suburbs of Atlanta. A lot of people in the stands, family members out to see him. And he just laid an egg. You know, like he did, he brought very little intensity on defense. It was bad shot after bad shot. It was bad decision after bad decision. And you're sitting there with teams and they're saying, how pure of a point guard is this guy in terms of just his vision, his creativity, his decision-making ability? We know that he's an incredible athlete. I mean, in terms of his ability to change gears off of hesitation moves, you know, one-on-one, you can't guard him on an island. He gets anywhere he wants on the floor and unlike most guards, he finishes emphatically above the rim. He's phenomenal in transition. Uh, 
he's got this big, strong frame. He embraces contact. He's got you know some real shot making ability off the dribble, but just in terms of you know getting others involved, you know playmaking for others, we haven't seen him take that next step with his decision making. And the shooting has been disappointing. You know, thirty-two percent for three this year. Um, you know, like we talked about, the, the lackadaisical intensity on defense. And then he just. A lot of people have been out. This Ignite has played forty-five games this year. He's only played in twenty-five. You know, it's like sometimes he's there, sometimes he isn't. And you know, how much of that is him? How much of that is you know load management to an extreme? You know, with with Ignite, they play so many games. Um, so that's, you know, and then you have Brandon Miller, who is an every game player. And there's a comfort level with a guy who is SEC player of the year. We know exactly what that means. Six foot nine, you can plug him into an NBA roster tonight. And he's going to to, to score. He's going to pass. He's going to, you know, do some, make some things happen on defense. He's going to rebound. Um, that's just an easy player to play with. Whereas Scoot Henderson, you need to put the ball in his hands, and you're probably going to be pretty bad next year. You know, so you look at some of those teams that are drafting at the top. You know, Detroit with Jaden Ivey and Cade Cunningham, Charlotte with Lamelo Ball. You know, Orlando is building around Bancaro. You know. Brandon Miller is a better fit for a lot of those organizations. You know, the Houston Rockets, what are they going to do? Shingun is, you know, at his best with the ball. You have Kevin Porter. You have Jalen Green. You want to get Jabari Smith going. So the fact that Brandon Miller can play without the ball, you know, is really intriguing. You know, she can. And so that's where some of this, you know, debate comes from. And I just think if Scoot Henderson, you know, he had he brought I think playing in college, the intensity that's demanded of you is just different than what you see in the G League. At this point in the season, most G League players, they know they're not getting that call up, you know, like they're really just kind of waiting for the season to end. And, you know, that it's reflected in, in the scores, you know, every, you know, every game is 130 to 128 and, you know, you score and then I score. And then the game I was at, Scoot had... 17 points, 17, seven assists, five re- on, on, on face value. That's a very impressive game, but it was completely hollow, you know? And so like, that's the question that we, you know, we wonder about those, his stats. Jonathan, questions around Miller off the court and teams are going to dig into the incident in Alabama and whatever else they can find out, like, like any player, but certainly the scrutiny on Miller is going to be significant. Prior to that, and the shooting and the loss of life of that young woman this season, charges filed against teammate, what was the general consensus about Miller, about what people knew about him, about what you knew about him, um, and how how he was regarded by teams away from the floor? I had never heard any real concerns about you know, any of this kind of stuff. I was shocked when that came out. And the way it was presented at first was like, it's his gun. You know, he had a real uh, part in this, you know, and then if, and so NBA team said, wow, like this is not the inf- the intel that we have on Brandon Miller. Everybody says he, quiet kid, nice kid, um, life of the party, um, you know, just a normal guy and so this was really shocking to hear this um but um if what his attorney states 
is the case regarding um, his involvement in this incident. You know that he he never touched a gun. It wasn't his gun. He had no knowledge that he was transporting this he gun. Said they say the gun was hidden underneath some clothing in the back seat. Right when he was called to drive the car back over, and that that's and that's his version. That's that's their version of this. If um, that version is accurate, I think that's going to bring some comfort to teams just you know with his level of involvement in this incident and projecting forward you know is he going to be what does this say about his character and you know what what his path looks like moving forward you can now stream the most MLB games on direct TV without a satellite dish yes catch the clutch hits strikeouts grand slams web gems with nothing on your roof so whoever's up there whether it's roofers, Santa, birds, old-timey chimney sweeps, moody teenagers, thrill-seeking raccoons, you name it, they won't find a satellite dish. But you will find your MLB games on DirecTV. That means DirecTV is your home for baseball this season. Root, root, root with nothing on your roof. Yes, stream your team. Call 1-800-DIRECTV or visit directtv.com. Sign up today. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Jonathan, first weekend of the tournament, first round, what are a couple of the really good draft prospect games that you'll be watching where you might see multiple potential players, not just in this year's draft, but maybe the next draft, maybe even for next year too? So right off the bat on Thursday at 4.30, we have Arkansas against Illinois, which I think is the best prospect game uh, of the first round. You have two top 10 picks in Nick Smith and Anthony Black going up against uh, Terrence Shannon and Coleman Hawkins, two projected second round picks, not at the same position. But then Arkansas also has uh, a couple of other pro prospects in Ricky Council, uh, a six foot six junior who is an incredible athlete, and one is one of their go to guys offensively, as well as Jordan Walsh, who kind of plays more of a minor role. He's a freshman, but he's a six foot eight uh, forward who's a, also a tremendous athlete. And so, you know, this is we're talking about six NBA prospects, six potential NBA draft picks on the floor at the same time. And NBA teams really, they want to see Nick Smith finally show what made him such a highly regarded prospect entering the season. He was actually the number one uh, player in our on our board among college prospects entering the season, but he had several setbacks, injuries, um, you know, knee injuries and that really kind of hampered him. And a lot of people didn't think he was going to return to play at all. Uh, he didn't look 100% when he, you know, when he came back for Arkansas. And uh, there's a sense that he still has not yet shown really what makes him tick as a six foot five combo guard, who, you know, can really play off of hesitation moves, and changes of speed, has great touch around the basket with his floaters, right hand, left hand, um, you know shooting off the dribble, plays with outstanding activity and energy defensively. One of the younger players in the draft is only 18 years old. He's also very thin, which is you know some of the issues that he's encountered. NBA teams want to see him break out and have that wow game that they've been waiting for to really 
comfortably project him as a top 10 pick. Duke playing this weekend, you've seen early on a lot of their highly regarded uh, John Shire's, you know, number one recruiting class in the country, uh, Derek Lively, Kyle Filipowski, struggle early on. And then all of a sudden now they've caught their stride the last month of the season, win the ACC, win the ACC tournament, and all of a sudden are a trendy pick to maybe go the Final Four, win it all. What, what have you seen with their guys this year and sort of just I mean, some guys got healthy, but all of a sudden a group that's maybe starting to live up to the anticipation people had for them coming into college. Yeah, they are a very young team. And they also had some injury issues going into the season. Derek Lively um, you know, wasn't available for much of the preseason. Derek Whitehead missed uh, you know, a chunk of the season and, and they got hurt again later on in ACC play. Um, you know, they've come together here as of late. They've won their past eight games. They won the ACC tournament. They beat a really good Virginia team. And they're peaking at the right time with Kyle Filipowski, seven-footer, who's somewhat of a unicorn at the college level. He can handle the ball. He can pass it. He can shoot it. He's a very competitive defender. He draws some comparisons to like a Kelly Olenek type of player, but is a much better defender at the same age. Not obviously as good of a shooter right now, but still makes threes with a pretty good volume, you know, one per game. Um, So, and this is a young team that's loaded with pro prospects going up against an Oral Roberts team that has a lot of experience. They went to the Sweet 16 in uh, 2021. Max Azimus was the Cinderella story of that tournament. Um, Just buried Arkansas with you know, tough pull-up three after tough pull-up three did the same thing to Ohio State. He's a little guy. He's only six feet tall, you know, 165 pounds maybe, but he's got range out to half court. And he's also got some real playmaking ability out of pick and roll. And, you know, he's uh, he's been there. He's been around. You know, he's 21 years old. He's turning 22 next month. And he's got a lot to prove here because – he was kind of the hot name in 2021 after that tournament run and really struggled at the NBA Combine after, went, you know, went back to school and has been a little bit up and down since then. This is his opportunity to, to put himself back on the NBA radar. Um, and, you know, there's no bigger stage than in the NCAA tournament against Duke. You watch as much college basketball, high major level, mid-major, low major as anybody. Are there – people are filling out their brackets – who are a couple double-digit majors, uh, double-digit seeds? Excuse me, that you say that's a team with a chance. Like I want to watch that team play Thursday or Friday. That's a team that I think is going to pull an upset. I'm really interested to see the UCLA UNC Asheville game on Thursday. It's at 10 p.m. It's a late game. UNC Asheville is a 15 seed, but they're going up against a UCLA squad that is really hobbled right now. They lost Jalen Clark to an injury. He's out for the season. That's their best defender. They also lost their uh, freshman center, Adem Bona, in the Pac-12 tournament. It's not quite clear yet. Is he going to play or not in this game? I mean, if he he doesn't play, I think, you know, Asheville is going to have a real chance at, at, at coming away with a win here because Drew Pember, six foot ten. 22-year-old senior, 
averaging 22 points, 10 rebounds, 2.5 blocks, 2.5 assists, shooting 38% for three on a high volume. It's a tough matchup at the college level, a six foot ten guy who can step out and shoot and pass and, um, you know, block shots. So, you know, he started his career at Tennessee, so he was a power five player who transferred down, which we're going to see a lot more of, I think, in the next coming years. Um, who does UCLA go to, to to stop him? I would think it's going to be Pac-12 player of the year, Jaime Jaquez, who is one of my favorite players in college basketball, six foot six, tremendous feel for the feels game. Feels like he's been in. I know there's guys <laughs> with COVID years. It feels like Jaime's been in. He's just been playing in big games for a long time. Right. UCLA, he took you today to the Final Four when yeah. he was a sophomore already, yeah. and this is yeah. his, you know, his last two raw yeah. here. He's got he's a chance. Great. I think he's 70 points away from becoming a top 10 scorer in UCLA history. That's and a list. That's, that's a an, list. Yeah. You're talking about. Kareem, you're talking about Bill Walton. You're talking about Sh- Don McLean. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. a it's a heck of for him to yeah, finish Marcus top ten. Johnson. It mm-hmm. shows you the kind of career that he had, and he's a projected first round pick in his own right. Uh, so you know, can he you know at six foot six slow down a bigger guy like Pember? You know, who's not the biggest, strongest, most physical guy around, it's going to be a great matchup, you know? So I would definitely stay up late for that game, and we'll see if, you know, Asheville can make this a game. They are not a double-digit seed. They are a nine seed. But Florida Atlantic, their coach, Dusty May, this team's won 30-plus games in Conference USA. They go to the American next year. This is a team with like 10 real players. I watched them a lot. I've known Dusty for 20 years since he was an assistant at Indiana, a young guy, and to see his climb and this team that is just loaded and they love to play together. There's a great spirit about that group. They have been dominant this year and they are deep. He brings a second team off the bench that is skilled and athletic. It is remarkable how many good players um and, and again, the way they play together, they play Memphis in that 8-9, and then they would presumably have Purdue. I can see them beating Memphis, and I can see them in a life-and-death game with Purdue on the weekend. Uh, again, not a double-digit seed team, but I think a team that people are trying to figure out. You know, It was like a, few, a couple years ago when my Bonnies had a 9 seed. Or we have a ten, we were in the 7-10 game or the 8-9 game? We got drilled by LSU. Um, but this is, um, they're a mid-major, but that is high-major talent and chemistry. So uh, no real pro prospects there. But uh, I mean, keeping up, Elijah Martin is a guy that NBA teams have their eyes okay. on. I mean, he's, he's only a junior. But, um, you know, came off the bench for, for most of the year. But, you know, has entered the starting five for them lately. Big, strong frame, long arms, big hands, um, can really, really shoot the ball. Um, 40% last year, 38% this year. Uh, you know, he he could give high major players real problems, even though he's only yeah. 6'2", because he's so strong. Uh, Dusty May recruits like a high major coach. I mean, he's he... In Florida with Mike White. I'm a Florida guy, and yep. he, he, they went to Gainesville and beat... Mm-hmm. The Gators. So I've known Dusty for a long time. He is a fantastic talent evaluator. So he, he I mean, you look at the, the student of the international game, uh, just uh, 
Yeah, re- remarkable guy. Got a great recruit the other day, Devin Vanderpool from Christ the King in New York. Beat my Bonnies. His dad's in the Hall of Fame at St. Bonaventure, David <laughs> Vanderpool. And Dusty still went into New York and uh, sold Boca Raton over Ole in New York. That's where I went to middle school. I would I would pick Boca mm-hmm. probably too. No, I'd still pick the frozen tundra. But no, that that's that that's a great uh, that that's that Memphis and FAU is a great first round matchup. Uh, and listen, they're all over all over the board. Um, we look at the you know the UConn. Iona game is to me a really interesting one. That's a brutal, you know. Your Danny Hurley four seed. You get, last year, New Mexico State really took them apart. Uh, this is a much better UConn team. I think this is a much more offensively diverse. They have more weapons, and they're better than Iona. I think they outman them in almost every position. But you, you are going against one of the, if not, I don't know if there's a better NCAA tournament coach than Rick Pitino. History. I don't know there's a better coach. Period. I agree with you. than Rick Pitino. I agree with you. I agree with you. And it's essentially a home game for them in Albany. You know, these guys, not a long drive, you know, from New Rochelle up to Mm -hmm. Albany. What is it? Two and a half hours. They're going to have a lot of fans there. It's kind of like a a goodbye to Rick Pitino. Sounds like he's taking the St. John's gig or some other, you know, Mm -hmm. really high profile job. And, you know, they've got a good team too. I mean, that's... um, 25 minutes away from my house on a, you know, with no traffic. I, I've been there. Those guys, they've got a real squad. I know. Walter I know. Clayton can play anywhere yeah. in the country. And he's going to give Jordan Hawkins everything that he can handle. And how, how many of those Iona guys are at St. John's next season? I think he can, he, he's going to have so many high school coaches and AAU coaches yeah. calling Rick and saying, Take my player, Rick, yeah. and make and make this guy. And so he's going to have no issue recruiting. And I mean, I mean, I assume he's going to want to leave Iona with something, you know. I mean, they're going to keep it going. That's a it's a great place to watch a basketball game, and it's a, it's it's a good conference. So I've I've really enjoyed going there, taking my kids, you know, like spending time with their, you know, with the the mascot. And so um, I I think it's. Um, it's it's definitely the highlight of the weekend. This Iona UConn game. Yeah, no, absolutely, uh, Jonathan. There will be yeah, there'll be a lot this weekend. We'll be watching Brandon Miller in Alabama probably all month here, uh, and, and a bunch of other prospects as we roll into the NCAA tournament. There's some there's some pro prospects in the NIT. Jed Howard at Michigan is a player you know in the NIT right. That's um, going to be. We'll see if he plays. Yeah, Carolina passed on their NIT bid, huh? It's a weird it's a weird draft woge because four of the top five guys on my board right now are not playing in the NCAA tournament. And then a lot of guys, uh, you know, like Cam Whitmore, like Taylor Hendricks, um, like Jet Howard. College players who aren't in the NCAA tournament. Exactly. Bryce Sensabaugh. So, you know, it's it's an interesting time for NBA scouts because the town is so spread out, and uh, you know you can't just get all your work done in one weekend like you used to be able to. Yeah, well, we'll be watching, Jonathan. As always, great uh, to catch up, talk some ball with you, and I know we'll be talking again soon. Thanks, Woj. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Woj Pod. A big thank you to my guest today, ESPN's NBA draft analyst Jonathan Gavoni. Be sure to listen to new and archived episodes of the Woj Pod wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to also listen 
to the Low Post with Zach Lowe, the Hoop Collective with Brian Windhorst, and the Adam Schefter podcast with Adam Schefter. We'll catch you next time. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Terms and restrictions apply.